I was recently uh, walking in the field over there. It's one of my favourite places to go with the dog. And um, I call it my promise field because in spring, when all the grass starts growing and all the wildflowers come up, I'm always reminded of that word from God where Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. They don't struggle to bloom and blossom. Um, your heavenly father will take care of you basically don't worry and so I call that field my promise field and it's lovely at the minute because the grass is growing long and the wildflowers are coming out and I was walking there the other day and I just felt God say to me very clearly bloom where you're planted and I was looking at some buttercups and um, at a dandelion as well and I was thinking yeah the dandelions the wind just blows those seeds and they land wherever and they have to bloom where they're planted. And, um, you know, Cy and I came here six years ago, um, by hook or by crook, <laughs> by the wind of the Spirit, and we've landed and we've planted, and I felt the Lord just reminded me to bloom where I've been planted. And I was thinking about this morning's sermon and thinking about you guys and thinking, well, you've all landed here somewhere or other. The Holy Spirit's brought all of us here at this time in this place for a purpose. And the purpose is that we'd all bloom where we're planted. That every single one of us would do our job of blooming where we've been planted. I don't know if you have flown recently, but um, during the beginning of the flight, or pre-flight, they do this whole thing about safety, don't they? And you've got the air hostesses saying, these are the exits, blah, blah, blah. But they have this thing about the oxygen masks coming down, don't they? And they always say, make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first before you even see to your own children or any vulnerable adults. You must do this first. And I was thinking that this, these two readings tell us right at the beginning what we need to do first. First things first. Before we even think about our community, serving our community, the gifts of the Spirit, before any of that, first things first, the oxygen mask, what is it? We need to make sure that Jesus is our Lord, oh sorry, uh, that he's not just everybody else's Lord, but that he's your Lord, my Lord. And we're told that the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to call Jesus Lord. And we know when something happens in our community, we see it on the news, we read it in the paper, that has happened that is just dishonoring to the Lord. Then we know that that's not the Spirit of God at work in our community, don't we? But when we see things happen, a bit like what we've seen on the DVD, we know the Spirit of God is at work because things are happening in our community that are bringing glory to God. And so we need to be those who are being led by his Holy Spirit and making Jesus Lord. And part of making him Lord is not that it's just our duty, um, but it's a joy. We make him Lord out of love for him because he has loved us. I don't know if any of you watch Britain's Got Talent this weekend, anybody? The nine, they were far too highbrow for me. But I love it. <laughs> but there was a group on there that were uh, backing singers for recording companies. And um, they sang a cappella. And at the end of their, their little show, they, they did, 
God Save the Queen. And it was really quite moving. And the camera panned around the audience, and you could see the affection in people's eyes, the emotion that people felt for the Queen. And I said to Sai, you know, people really do love the Queen. It's great. And that's how we refer to Jesus as Lord, not just as Lord in that he is rightfully Lord, he created all things, you don't exist without his say-so, but out of love, out of reverence and uh, a love for him because he's loved us first. And that's the oxygen that we breathe in. The Holy Spirit enables us to keep loving Jesus, to keep making him Lord. I don't think I'd be in ministry today You know, we've been married for 24 years and been ministering all that time. Prior to Si, I was ministering from when I was 18. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for a daily commitment to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill me and help me love Jesus and help me make him Lord of my life. That's a daily prayer. And with it comes lots of challenges but it's the oxygen that I breathe that keeps me going. And so I'd ask you this morning just to check. Is Jesus Lord? Do you love him? Ask the Holy Spirit to increase your love for him, to increase his lordship in your life. And out of love for him, we keep his commands. Out of love for God, we do stuff. We don't do stuff And then hope that it'll all be fine between us and God. We love him first. And then we do things as a result. Out of the same source we're told in um, the Corinthians passage come different expressions of gifts, of serving, and of working. So we have the same source, the Holy Spirit, the oxygen that we breathe. And uh, it's a bit like Apple, you know. Um, I don't know if any of you are Apple worshippers here, but uh, I know a few people who are. And uh, they worship regularly at the cathedral to Apple. <laughs> um, but they started with computers, and then there were iPods, and then iPhones, and then iPads, and now there's jewelry. And I think there might be cars next, and maybe even houses, who knows. But all vicarages should be built by Apple. <laughs> but the, the brand has diversified, hasn't it, as it's gone on. And that's like uh, our love for Jesus. If you think of our love for Jesus being the brand, and we diversify in the products that we produce uh, as a result of our love for Jesus The Holy Spirit pours love for Jesus into our hearts and out of that comes gifts, serving and working. And you know, we're called to do good works, to keep his commands, but you know, it's always a challenge to do that. You can never just do it in your own strength. And that's the little catch with Christianity. That's what makes you realize that man didn't make this thing up. Because if we had made up Christianity, we would have made it a lot easier for us just to do in our own strength. But the fact is, we need the Holy Spirit to enable us. We need his gifts to be able to do the service and the work that is needing to be done around us. So, waitressing, cooking, 
doing the finances, being on church committees, cleaning, developing new friendships, learning to play an instrument skillfully, bringing someone to Alpha, being actively involved in a life group, administration, evangelism, missions, handyman jobs, prayer ministry, preaching, singing wholeheartedly in worship even if you can't sing in tune, teaching, listening, comforting, encouraging, pastoral visiting, financial giving, prayer, surgery, babysitting, lending stuff that you have that other people haven't got, giving time and expertise and helping. All these things are the things we've been called to do in our community. And many of you are already involved in some of those things. Maybe you've counted yourself out of some works of service because you thought, well, I'm no good at that. But you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who gifts us and enables us to do things. So maybe you shouldn't count yourself out. Maybe you should be asking the Lord, is there an area that you'd like me to be involved in? Well, could you gift me for it, please? And why would you do that? You'd do it for the common good, not just for your own sake, but for others' sake. Out of love for God and love for your neighbor for the common good. I don't know, again, I'm going to ask you, and I'm a bit nervous of asking you this, but anybody seen Hot Fuzz? (laughs) I'm feeling slightly lowbrow, really, today. Oh, good, I'm feeling a bit better now. Hot Fuzz, great West Country film. If you've not seen it, do watch it. It's funny. Um, (laughs) uh, There's a group of people on a committee for the village in the West Country, and they want their village to be the best village Ever and there's a competition annually that they've won every year. And um, people keep get dying very violently and they're trying to find out who the murderers are and it turns out that it's, that it's this committee. <laughs> I've spoiled it for you now, but anyway. Um, <laughs> the point is that the, uh, the committee's mantra is for the greater good and they chant this um, for the greater good. And they have this understanding of what the greater good is. And anything that doesn't meet that criteria is, you know, and anyone that breaks that greater good, knock them off, kill them. And um, when, when, we're, when Paul teaches us in Corinthians about the common good, that is a very different thing. The common good means it's for everybody. Not just for those that get your idea of what the greater good is. It's for everybody's benefit. The common good, not the greater good. So you may be waitressing in the coffee shop and you can see that somebody is struggling with some life issue or maybe they talk to you about it and you could pray, Lord, give me a gift of wisdom to give to them. And just in a couple of minutes, you could give them a spiritual gift of wisdom as you serve them coffee. Or a word of knowledge. You could be going with Jimmy on some of our little ventures out into the, the community. Asking God to give you words of knowledge. To tell you stuff that you couldn't naturally know about somebody that would help them realize how special they are to God. And it requires a bit of courage, doesn't it? Because naturally you just think, well, I haven't got that gift But it comes in the moment. And I think often Christians have misinterpreted this passage in Corinthians, thinking that you only get one gift for the whole of your life and you just use that gift. 
The gifts are for the moment. The Holy Spirit comes and distributes them as he sees fit for the circumstances that those gifts are needed for. So it's like having a toolbox that you've been given as a Christian. And you reach in to God and say, give me the gift I need for this situation. Give me what I need to serve this person for the common good. Faith, Chris said earlier, we need more faith. What we're facing with the Heart of the Community Project is impossible in our own strength. We need faith. So we need to be saying, God, give me faith. Give me gifts of faith to do financial giving, to give beyond what I think is possible, to fundraise, to do crazy things that I never thought I could do, to raise money and talk to Christine Rogers about it and say, let's, let's do this adventurous thing. That will require faith, healing, Maybe you would like to become part of the prayer ministry team and begin praying for people in services. And praying simple prayers, it's not busy or complex, it's just a simple praying for God to do his work and seeing people being healed. Or in life group, you might pray for somebody who's in pain and pray for their healing and see God work. As we've said before, when we didn't pray for anyone to be healed, we didn't see anyone get healed. But now that we do pray for people to be healed, we do see some people get healed. So, you know, there's, this, there's something going on there. <laughs> Miraculous powers, Chris said again. We need miracles. We need to be those who are praying. God, give us miraculous powers in this season of our life as a community. don't know if you've read the book 90 Minutes in Heaven, but it's about a man who uh, died in a car crash on a motorway. And behind him in the queue was a pastor who felt God prompt him to go and pray for the corpse of this man. And the ambulance servants allowed him to do it, and he came back to life again. And he had a very slow recovery. Uh, But uh, the book is just about what happened when he went to heaven. And um, I always think it's interesting reading that book, that the pastor has never raised anyone from the dead since and had never done it before so it wasn't a gift that he'd had all his life it just came in the moment and God ordained it and he had the faith to respond we need miraculous powers don't we in this season so maybe more of us should be praying Lord give me a gift of miraculous powers prophecy Maybe during wholehearted worship, the words of a song come home to you and you realize that you are singing out the thoughts of God. Maybe when you're listening to a sermon, you hear the heartbeat of God right up close to you and you sense God speaking straight into you, the core of your being. Distinguishing between spirits, we all need that and I pray for that more than anything. And for all the teams that I work with, I pray that God would give me people who have gifts of discernment. Because we need to be able to discern between the human spirit, God's Holy Spirit, and unclean spirits. We need that wisdom. And we don't naturally have it. And they can often be dressed up, apart from the Holy Spirit. Human spirits and unclean spirits can very much parody all sorts of things. And it takes real discernment to know what's going on. And maybe in a committee, that gift would be useful. When decisions are being made, and it might, the decision might be being pushed 
by uh, someone's own spirit because they want self-promotion uh, pr or preservation. And it's important that we discern that and take time to process it and think it through and help people allow God to be God even in committees <laughs> and tongues the gift of tongues now that is a gift you can use throughout anything that you're doing in ministry and in work and in service I remember somebody saying to me that they've been praying while driving and I said well that's a bit dangerous you know because you are thinking about what you're praying but you're supposed to really be thinking about your driving. But when you pray in tongues, you don't have to think about what you're saying. Likewise, you can be cooking, or you can be cleaning, or you can be even listening to somebody, and you can be praying in tongues. It's a gift that is so useful and so undervalued among Christians. And I would encourage you to ask God to give it to you if you haven't asked him already. And if you have asked and nothing's happened yet, come see me and I'll, I'll help you get using that gift interpretations of tongues is the final one in that list that's not one we see very often in our church community because most of us don't seem to have the courage to pray out loud in tongues and give a message in tongues but when I've been in meetings where that has happened it is a very powerful uh, thing that happens somebody in faith opens their mouth and sounds like a complete idiot <laughs> and then somebody else just knows what they've said and interprets it and it is a profound sign among believers that God is among us and at work very powerful maybe we should be asking for more of that in our times of prayer together maybe we would have greater guidance as to how to pray if we sought for that gift And I don't think, it says that um, God, the Holy Spirit, gives to each one as he determines. But you know, he determines to give things to those who ask, because Jesus taught us. And so God doesn't contradict himself. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Most of us don't ask for the spiritual gifts. Hands up the last time. Well, no, no I won't ask that. No. <laughs> but, you know, when did you last ask the Holy Spirit to give you spiritual gifts? So I'd encourage you today to ask, to seek, to knock, so that we can serve our community for the greater, common good. <laughs> Not the greater good, the common good. For the benefit of all people. And I'll just finish... Um, have I got time or not? Have we got me? No. Okay. I'll just finish with this little story. I was thinking about it when we were worshipping. Um, when I first began to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me, I was about 19. And I really wanted to understand how it would be to be a, a follower of Jesus that really was led by the Holy Spirit. And I'd read this book, which was a bit mad, a bit of a mad book, but it was called Pray About Everything. <laughs> So he was encouraging you to even pray when you came to the end of the road, even though you knew you needed to turn right to go to the shops, to ask the Lord whether you should turn right or left. <laughs> so I was doing this crazy thing, which was a bit daft. But anyway, it got me out of my comfort zone. And I was sitting in the bus one day, coming back from art college, and um, 
I, I was praying for people on the bus. I said, and I asked the Lord, is there anyone specifically you want me to focus in on? And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to... There was a woman across the way from me. I was sitting here. She was sitting a few feet away. And uh, so I began to pray blessings on her. And as I did that, I said to the Lord, is there anything else? And I felt the Lord say, I want you to get up and go and sit beside her. And I thought, but I look like such an idiot. Because I'm going to get up out of my chair for no apparent reason and then go and sit next to her. It's a bit creepy. But I was trying to be obedient. So I got up and I went and sat next to her. And then I thought, well, flip, I better say something. I didn't know what to say. Said, Lord, tell me what to say. I don't know what I said. I said something and we got into conversation. She got off the bus. I carried on to my house, got off, was walking home, was thanking the Lord for her and that weird little engagement and thought, said to the Lord, what was that about? And he said to me, I want you to go see her tomorrow. So I thought, well, I don't know where she lives. <laughs> and I thought, well, what's worse, that I could just meander about tomorrow and get completely lost or that I actually find her, you know, that I was catch 22. So <laughs> the next morning in trepidation, I walked down the road to where I thought her bus stop was. And then I asked the Lord to show me, well, where, where does she live? So I was walking down the road, turned left, turned right. Lord, where? Came to a house, and I just thought, this is it. This is the house. But as I walked down the um, path to the front door, again, I was thinking, what's worse, that it would be her house or that it isn't her house? <laughs> anyway, got to the door, and it was her house. And she looked a bit taken aback. And I was thinking, I haven't even thought what to say. <laughs> and I thought, I am just a, a creepy person. <laughs> and uh, panicked, panicked prayer. What, Lord, what do I say? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, do you need a babysitter? <laughs> and she's... She just, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know this is really weird, but, you know, I was just thinking about you through the evening, and I, and I thought maybe you might need a babysitter. And I'm a student, and, you know, I, I, I've got some free time. And she said, well, yeah, actually, I'm a single mum, and I've got two kids, and I would really love a babysitter. So that began a relationship with her, which lasted a year. And uh, one day she said to me, I know what you're doing. I said, what? She said, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah, how do you know? She said, I don't know, I just know. And she said, you're trying to evangelize me, aren't you? <laughs> I said, well, not really, sort of. You know, I'm just trying to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And she says, well, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> so she said, if you promise not to evangelize me, I promise I won't evangelize you. And I said, that's fine by me. So I carried on babysitting for her, and her daughter was eight. And in the Jehovah's Witness religion, at the age of eight, you have to make your first sermon. And when you preach your first sermon, that's your decision to be a Jehovah's Witness at the age of eight. So this was coming up for this little girl. And she hadn't been able to sleep at night. And so I said to her one night, she was very frightened, and I said, um, have you ever asked Jehovah uh, in prayer to help you sleep at night? She said, yeah, but, you know, it hasn't worked. And I said, well, have you asked him in his son's name, in Jesus' name? Because the Bible says that if you ask for Jehovah, ask him anything in his son's name, in Jesus' name, he'll do it for you. So she said, oh, right, okay. So I said, well, let's, shall we pray in Jesus' name to Jehovah? So we did. And I never, ever got invited back to babysit again. 
But I tell you that story because for years after, I've wondered about it and wondered about them. And I never saw the full sense of why I had to do what I did. And I think often in community, when we're serving the community for the common good, we don't see the full story, but we just are called to be obedient, aren't we? If you love me, keep my commands. If Jesus is Lord, serve the community. You may not see the full effects of your obedience, but I trust that I did what God asked me to do in the time span that I had, in the little window of opportunity that I had. And you don't know the person in the shop that you pray for, your neighbor who you listen to and serve by doing their gardening for them when they've got a bad back. You have no idea the effects that your obedience will have. Giving little words of wisdom when you're waitressing in the coffee shop or going to do evangelism and giving out words of knowledge and offering to pray for folk. You don't know the effect of what your obedience, of what it will have on people's lives. We're called to be obedient, aren't we? Not to understand everything. And many of us think, well, I'm not going to be obedient to God until I understand exactly what it is I'm meant to do and why. (laughs) We're just called to be obedient and to do it out of love for Jesus and love for people. And you may only get a short window to do it. So I would encourage you that if Jesus is Lord of your life, let his Holy Spirit flow through you for the common good. Ask for gifts of the Spirit and go for it and do things that you didn't think you could do before. Amen.